Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. So one of the questions I posed last week and never got to it, and so we're going to get to it today. We're talking about the stock market. We were talking about inflation, kinds of things that you can do to help uh, you cope with inflation. If you missed that, you go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and you'll click on the listen, and you can pick up last week's uh, show. You can pick up a lot of different ones. If you want a particular topic, you can search by topic. So if you want to look for annuities or estate planning or taxes, you can put that in the search bar and it'll give you the shows that we talked, uh, at least some portion of the show on that topic, which is very important. And there again, nobody's selling you anything. So this is a great way to get some, hopefully as, as objective information as you can get by listening to these. And it doesn't cost anything. And I think you're going to get a lot more than what you paid for it. At least I hope so. So the question of should a retiree get out of the stock market? So this is a question some of you may have seen that this article in the Greenville News on Sunday, July 25th, and that's the head of the article, the headline was, should retirees get out of the stock market? And so they give an example of a, a couple, the wife was 76 and the husband was 78. They retired, they both have a pension, house is paid off, and they have some, uh, the, because of the pension and social security, their income exceeds their expenses. And this is fairly common, especially for those who have pensions, regular pensions instead of Social Security. And many people we know that get along just fine with their Social Security payment because of how frugally they live and they paid off the debt before they retired and so forth. Uh, now, it changes some when you have events that might happen, a long-term care event, uh, some other kind of medical event that comes up that's not fully covered by Medicare, and you have to cover some with your own personal resources. So there needs to be funds there that you can do. But one of the things I'd like to remind folks is that if you have a pension plan, a defined benefit plan, that's the old kind that a lot of people don't even know what that is anymore. So that defined benefit plan where they provide you with a monthly income when you retire. And if you don't, if you take the standard option, you get hundred percent, you get a, your payment. And then the spouse your surviving spouse is going to get 50% of what you got unless you elect something different. You can't elect to have them not get anything uh, unless they sign and say they are willing to do that. But the the payment goes down. So if you uh, if you say I want to get I want my spouse surviving spouse, wife or husband depending on who was the worker to get 100% of what I'm getting, you'll take a haircut. So you, I've seen it as low as like 12% and seen it as high as 25% where they cut the payment to you now so that when you pass, then the survivor gets the exact same thing you were getting for the rest of their life. Now, one of the negatives about that is that if you your spouse predeceases you, 
you can't go back in there and change it and say, well, now I want 100% because they're not here anymore. It's You lock that in, it's an irrevocable decision. So you want to be careful uh, how you make that decision. And always, of course, consider your other resources that you have available to you that would be used by the surviving spouse if they do or do not need that. Um, some people just want to say no, 100% for both, no matter what the resources are. Uh, but I think that's where proper planning comes in so you can see what, uh, of course, if we knew exactly, if God told us exactly when we were going to die, we could do exact planning, <laughs> but you can't, you know, he hasn't told us that. So we have to um, do the best we can with the information that we have. Another reminder is that when somebody has a fixed income portfolio, whether that is from Social Security or whether it's a pension plan, that is equivalent to a large fixed income portfolio. Because that's a fixed, that's a guaranteed item. So it's as if you had, let's say, if you were getting $1,000 a month and you were just earning 2% a year off your money, well, you would need $600,000. So over half a million dollars you would need to invest at 2% to provide that $1,000 a month. Now, of course, it's not it's not decreasing. It's going to stay at 600000 If you make more than 2%, it will continue to rise. Um, so that's where you have to be careful when some people like with a pension plan or with a, an annuity that when you annuitize an annuity and, and I've seen some people do this, I've seen some ads in the AARP magazine where they, where they talk about how much money, if you, if you give them a hundred thousand dollars or if you give them $500,000, here's, here's how much your monthly income would be. And they will say 6%, 7%, whatever it's a, it's a high number. And people get confused and think that that is a rate of return number. No, that's not a rate of return number. That's just the rate of return of your money to you. So they just guarantee you that if your money runs out, they'll keep on paying that. But it's not the rate of return. So if you if you take 5% out, let's say, you have $100,000, you take $5,000 a year out, then it takes... It takes 20 years just to get your original, with no interest, it takes 20 years just for you to get your original money back. So the insurance company's not taking as, as big a risk as you think. If you're 65, well, you're, they're not even have given you all of your own money back until you're 85. So it's only until you're past 85 that you start making any money on that account. So you got to live a lot longer to beat the insurance company. They've got that, that part figured out. So just remember, I, I try to caution people all the time about the money they're going to get from a particular pension or an annuity that you got to remember part of it may be and very well be is a return of your own money. It's not, uh, it's not uh, actual earnings. It just looks like earnings. You got to be really careful of what they're going to pay to the surviving spouse and where that money has come from and make sure you understand it's not coming from the income bucket. It's coming from the account bucket. And that's totally two different things. And the number of people that, um, that I've talked to that actually understand that after they bought an annuity is very, very small. Most people do not get that. And the wording that's, that the way they word it and the material that you get from the annuity just does not help. It, it makes it uh, more confusing. So should a retiree get out of the stock market? Well, a lot depends. So in this instance where this, this couple has a million two invested, they haven't touched it. They don't plan on touching it. Uh, so barring, and this is where you've got to, you know, do some be clairvoyant and we, and we aren't is when are you going to die or are you going to ever have a long-term care event? And they do caution that further in the articles that if you have a long-term care event where maybe you're not touching your money, 
your the, your assets. But if you have a long-term care event, then you may be touching that money. And a million two is really not that much to have to provide for a, uh, especially an extended long-term care event. Where there, and if only one of the spouses is in the nursing home, assisted living, or in the regular nursing facility, then that that can be expensive because you got the, the you can't sell the house because the the other spouse is still living in it so it, it puts a strain on it and a lot of times that doesn't happen there's there's one spouse that's a survivor and they're the ones that ends up going to the nursing home that's that I think is the more common model so we're talking maybe some low odds but still things that you need to be uh, thinking of and how you're to talk about your portfolio and they say in part of their question that they don't want bonds or annuities which makes it even more interesting because that's the way the the bonds or the annuities is a way to make your portfolio more conservative uh bonds a less expensive way to make it more conservative than annuities because that's what the annuities are buying essentially the insurance company buys a block of bonds it just it's a lower risk way of doing it because you see you never see any fluctuations in the bond prices and things like that. They just they do that for you. But there's all there's a lot more expenses built into that than there is with just buying buying the bonds directly. So somebody that has been in a, a growth phase all their life and their working years and so forth, and now they're turn turned to retired, and it's like, okay, now what do I do? Do I stay in the stock market to preserve to get out of the stock market to preserve what I have, or do I take it all, take it uh, to leave it there and let it run because in this case, I don't need it. And that can be an argument for that either way. And I think you also have to understand, and I've mentioned before on this this program, but I always need to mention it again, I think because it's hard for us to understand what are the two different types of risks. And I'm going to talk about that when we get back from the break. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's one 800 588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. If you've got a question for me, just send that email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com or go to talkingmoneyradio.com and list, look at the uh, Ask Mike a Question part, and you can click on that and send me a question there as well. Either either place work, and of course, the those questions, again, are oftentimes ones that I use on the air to talk about a particular subject for questions that I have. And I've got one that came in uh, back a week or so ago. We'll cover that, but I don't think we'll have time to cover it this week, but we talked about covering IRAs and uh, ran out of time for this week. We're still going to finish up on this should retirees get out of the stock market, but next week we'll be talking about IRAs and the confusing world, especially this this uh, listener that wrote in 
that talked about a uh, sister, I believe, that passed away, and and he's the beneficiary of the IRA. And there's questions on how to make how to get the the funds to her two sons, since he's the beneficiary. How to get those funds, and how many years uh, does he have to take? Does he have available to him to take it out? and so forth. So it can be really confusing. So we want to cover that. We want to make sure we spend plenty of time covering that thoroughly. And I don't want to rush through that. So that'll be next week's topic. We'll be talking about not just that, but uh, other um, rules and strategies uh, that relate to IRAs and distribution rules, especially as they relate to the changes that were made in the Secure Act last year. We want to make sure that everybody understands those. So talking about should retirees get out of the stock market, and we talk about the different types of risk, and that's when we left the the break, came to the break before, I talked about that, that people misunderstand that because this couple says they're risk averse. And, and I hear that a lot, is that, oh, I'm risk averse, or I can't, uh, I can't, um, I don't have time to weather another downturn. So if we have another 08 downturn, I'm too old. I don't have time to recoup that. Well, there are several answers to that. And I think you have to be so careful if you get so conservative so that uh, you don't have to worry about weathering that next downturn. Then you invoke the other risk of the cost of living problem that comes in, which is a stealth risk that you don't see. So we have to be really careful about which risk we are talking about. And I've heard that a lot where people say, well, I'm, I'm too old. I don't have time to recoup that. But even in 08, the, the amount of time it took, we're just talking you know, three, four, five years to get the money back, even from 08. And, and obviously, if you have your portfolio diversified, as I think you should, where you don't have all of your money in the stock market, so only, let's say you had half your money in the stock market. So half went down a lot, but the other half didn't. And as long as you didn't need to access those funds, you just let them ride and it, it goes back up like it did and you don't lose. I, I, I always chuckle when I hear these ads. Normally, there are people trying to sell insurance or annuities and they say, yeah, in 2008, I'm not going to go through that again. I lost all this money. Well, then you, you didn't follow prudent rules of investing because you sold when it was down and you shouldn't have done that. And, and I tell people all the time, if you're the type that you're going to invest and then that money, that account goes down, some percentage, 5, 10, 15, whatever your percentage is, it's even worse when somebody says, well, I can let it go down 25%, but that's as much as I can take. It goes down 25% and then they sell. Well, that's generally the history shows us the absolute worst thing you can do is sell it after it's gone down 25%. If you're going to do that, then I would encourage you not to invest at all. Don't even start doing that. Yeah, you'll lose on the upside, but you won't lose on the downside. And which is more important to you? So that's why a diversified portfolio, the way we try to structure our portfolios um, for our clients is to, to have kind of a bucket approach, a time-based approach. So you have a certain amount of money that you keep that's, that's probably not going to earn much money, less than 1% because it's short-term money, money that you may need in the next couple of years. And then you've got an intermediate-term bucket. Now that can fluctuate more because you're not going to need it necessarily in the next six months, next year. Uh, but it's not going to fluctuate like a, a stock market or a real estate investment might fluctuate. And then you have the long-term investment. And that's where your stocks are going to be in. That's where probably some of your real estate is going to be in. And unfortunately, I, I hear people all the time talk about, oh, I don't like the volatility in the stock market. I'm going to buy real estate. 
well, you know, that can work for you. I've, I've been in this business a long time and I've seen plenty of people who lost money in real estate. So, and the, the advantage you have in real estate is it doesn't get priced by the minute, by the second, like stocks do that are traded on the exchange. Uh, but there's fluctuation in there. You just don't know it till you get an appraisal done for it. So the two risks you're talking about, one that you see, that's the risk of volatility where prices are going down. That's what most people are talking about when they, when they talk about risk. It is how much fluctuation and what, what are the chances I might lose my money? Well, if it's in a good cross-section of, of the American enterprise, it's in uh, uh, stocks, but it's in a mutual fund or something where you have, uh, it's well-diversified. Um, history has shown us that, no, you're not going to lose all your money. Uh, yes. Could it go down some? Uh, I would say, yes. Will it go down? Yes, it's going to go down. We don't know when, how long, and how far, but it will. Uh, we haven't had a big downturn for a while. I mentioned that a week or so ago. So we're due for something to derail and uh, send this market to at least temporarily pull back. And there again, we don't know how long, but you just can't worry about that. If you want to keep your powder dry and have more money so that if it goes down, you can, when it goes down, you can put more money into it. Uh, that's a, that's uh, historically has been a good plan as well. Um, so people want to get to the point where they don't have to worry about money. So how much money is that for people not to worry about money? You know, I've, I've heard the story once that, that uh, a survey was done for people who had uh, certain different levels of financial um, wealth. And they were asked, at what point would you feel comfortable and feel like you are wealthy? And they asked the people who had 1 million, it was 2 million. The people who had 5 million, it was 10 million. The people who had 50 million, it was 100 million. The people who had 100 million said, I'm good. So, you know, you, you got to a point where, okay, that was enough. But I'm thinking even the people who have 50, 100 million, there's still that worry about money. There shouldn't be, but there, there is. And I have people, have people that, that have no more than a couple hundred thousand dollars saved in retirement, and they're as happy as they can be. So a lot of it's just how you look at money and your contentment and where does your joy come from? Does it come from things or does it come from, from uh, just the satisfaction of family and your faith and so forth instead? So just be careful that you understand which risks that you're talking about when you talk about, uh, about risk. So the biggest concern for, I think, a lot of retirees that I talk to is health-related. So it's a long-term care event potential. You have to go into a nursing home, a skilled care, skilled care facility, the full nursing home, or a memory care unit, that kind of thing, uh, that, which can add up those costs. So long-term care insurance is a, uh, a big help for that. There's a, a new product that out there that's more of a hybrid, uh, what we call an asset-based long-term care where you might put $100,000 or something amount into this long-term care, into this uh, life insurance product or annuity product, and it has a long-term care program built into it. It's less expensive because they're going to use your money first. So the, you know, they got the first 100000 covered from your own money. So the cost of the long-term care. So you won't earn as much money probably on the amount you invest in that as you might if you just invested it in stocks or something like that. But you're not buying it for that. You're buying it for the peace of mind it gives you because of the care, the money it would provide if you go into a long-term care facility. So that's that's where it can really wipe out things. So a lot of it's what you want to do with the money because if you invest too conservatively, and even if you don't have a long-term care event and expenses keep going up, so that, that hidden risk of inflation keeps on eating away at your standard of living because the cost of living keeps going up. After 
10 years or so, maybe the costs of, of or 15, 17 years, the costs have doubled. Well, if you've been so conservative that your funds don't keep up with that, then your cost of living, standard of living, is probably going to go down. Unless your you know, Social Security has a, a cost of living adjustment. And from what I've read, there's a chance that we're going to have the biggest one that we have had for a while coming up uh, on the next increase that they give. And many pension plans don't have a cost of living adjustment in them anymore. So they, they can't uh, keep up with inflation either. So you want to keep a certain amount. Advise people, virtually everybody, they should keep some amount in an inflation-protected type asset like some a good basket of uh, solid stocks. And that's going to, uh, yes, it'll fluctuate, but that's probably going to be what it gives you the most money over the 15 years or 20 years. Nobody knows for sure, but that's history. History says that's what's going to happen with those. So just be real careful about how you how you adjust and don't get so conservative. And those who really don't need the money because they've got so much income coming in, it's not a concern. They can go either very conservative and not and never have to touch it, or they can go very aggressive because they're going to be investing for their family or maybe investing for a ministry. They want to help the ministry and want to do that. So a lot of different things you can do uh, with with the money. But I think getting out of the stock market completely, no. Maybe back uh, uh, curbing it a little bit, yeah, that's not a bad plan. So have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money. <laughs> 